It's easy to talk about cold water fisheries when it's cold outside, and that's what we're going to do on this segment of the Carolina Outdoors. Welcome, everyone. I'm the host of the Carolina Outdoors, Bill Barty. Each week, I come in to break down four different segments for your listening pleasure and also introduce you to things to do in our Carolina Outdoors and introduce you to people that are help making things in our Carolina Outdoors happen for sure. And although the weather is cooled off and is cooling off, living in the Carolinas gives us year-round opportunities to be outside. And that includes enjoying the trout streams of western North Carolina. There's one person, a contributor, we've been glad to have him as a guest multiple times here on the program that knows maybe more than anyone or at least a lot of people in what part of the state Western North Carolina has going on and in the trout world for sure he knows, Jake Rash. Jake, welcome to the Carolina Outdoors. Oh, thank you so much for having me. Well, part of the knowledge, it's great to have you, and of course there's a big build up there, Jake. Part of the reason is you're the Cold Water Research Coordinator for the North Carolina Wildlife Resource Commission, and that's where you kind of coordinate the data, the research, and the management of the trout streams in the state and the resources involved around the trout streams in this state. So that means you help with the how, when, and where of everything North Carolina trout. Um, what's been happening in the world of the North Carolina Resource Commission, Wildlife Resource Commission, uh, in regards to cold water fisheries? Yeah, yeah, I, I appreciate that, and and I do get to work with you know kind of kind of all things trout to help with our it's our public mountain trout waters program, and that's the 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 waters that we manage um, primarily in those western twenty six counties, and so we've we've definitely been busy. You know, we're at the end of the year, uh, kind of like most folks, we're taking a step back and looking at all the work that's done and and this year um you know a lot of a lot of sampling out on the water we we want to make sure the fish populations themselves are are doing well um you know and a lot of stockings have taken place uh, also and then we've also done some work where we uh, were able to um to check with anglers to see what they're what they're thinking as well so we had a big socioeconomic survey that we um, finished up this year where we talked with folks in 2022 to get their thoughts about uh, the program and also seeing how much money they were actually uh, contributing to the state's economy when they're trout fishing. So a lot of really neat stuff happened this year. Yeah, we're going to come back and talk a little bit about that. And I'm going to have my wife tune into that section so she can find out why when I drive, you know, two or three hours to go uh, catch, well, let's just say uh, two or four fish many times, uh, why I do that when I could go to the grocery store maybe. Uh, I'm contributing to the economic impact. We're going to come back and talk about that because the numbers were uh, big, and it's exciting to hear why the state does what it does and what it means coming back that way. But, Jake, you mentioned 26 counties of cold water uh, fisheries. Is it true that it could be 27 counties because, Jake, you are the man here in Mecklenburg County. And for our listeners, uh, trout, uh, browns, brooks, rainbows, they need cold water 
to uh, get their oxygen. The way their gill system works and the in the uh, layers of the gill system, they need cold water uh, to to oxygen oxygenate their water. So there aren't trout in Mecklenburg County till now. We have it on good authority, Jake. You're going to have to verify this, that we do have trout in Mecklenburg County. I'm going to tell you where because they were stocked December 8th at McAlpine Pond here in Mecklenburg County and also December 11th over at Hornet's Nest Park in Mecklenburg County. We have trout. Jake, what is the deal with that? <laughs> you're, you're correct. Um and, uh, you know, those 26 counties I mentioned, those are part of the, the typical and our big, you know, public mountain trout waters program. However, over the last uh, couple years, we've been able to expand trout stockings into uh, some smaller impoundments and some of them in, in, in the Piedmont. So moving those fish east and, um, and like you noted there in, in Mecklenburg, and that's a, a program where we've been able to utilize uh, some of the fish that were uh, surplus at the hatchery to get out into those those places that wouldn't typically uh, be able to receive trout stockings. But because it's 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 cold outside and the water's cold seasonally, able to get those in there uh, this time of year in the winter and to to bring some trout fish into places that that you know, typically don't see them uh, uh, throughout the other times of the year. So it's been, it's been a really popular program and I hope that folks can get out and enjoy it. And in particular, if you've got young ones that, that you want to expose to the sport, those, those ponds and, and, and small lakes are just really awesome places to, to take a kid out fishing. For yeah. Sure. The things you need, if you're going to do that. And again, uh, here in Mecklenburg, Hornet's Nest Park, and McAlpine Pond there in McAlpine uh, Park have it. You, all you need is a basic state fishing license. Um, there's no bait restrictions, no minimum length limit, and a seven-day trout per day creel limit. And all of that, Jake, is really a – we're going to circle back around to talk about that uh, in, uh, economic impact that came out. But uh, was, as you just said, uh, expanding the seasonal opportunities for anglers by stocking those sur surplus trout uh, to really help bring more people to the outdoors, to the sport of fishing or trout fishing. And that goes hand in hand with that economic impact uh, study that was released. Talk to us about some of the big takeaways that you saw uh, in that economic uh, study. Yeah, that that was uh, something for us that that get you know we do those studies, you know when we you know I'm I'm often uh, when we're we're lucky enough to talk Bill I'm usually talking about the fish but we when it comes to to managing these fisheries managing those trout streams managing those, those places and providing those those resources that people come to expect there's really three things that go into to making up. Uh, how we manage uh, a trout fishery, and that's the fish themselves. It's the habitat. It's the people, you know, the places where the fish live, and then it's the people. It's the people interacting with with those other things, the fish and the habitat. And so we routinely try to get information from our anglers to understand what they're seeing, what they're thinking, 
um, and and take that to help us uh, make better decisions. And and this most recent survey, we were able to look at folks fishing in uh, trout water, our trout waters in 2022. We found that about 370,000 anglers fished for trout in 2022, and and combined, um, they generated about 1.38 billion dollars for the state's economy. So it's a it's a really popular uh, program that a lot of folks enjoy, and we're we're just you know we're just always excited to find ways to to keep it going and to make it better for for all those child anglers out there that that really take advantage of the program. Jake, part of that too is demographically we have really increases across the board whether it be people uh who are uh men or women uh um uh, people of color, Hispanics, uh Caucasian, everybody um kind of is 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 heading that way. There were increases in fact, in many places, double-digit, uh, the Hispanic demographic double-ditch, double-digit increases in participation. Uh, one of the concerns, though, is is resources. Um, what about the stress on resources as more and more and more of us go out and hit uh, the fisheries? And much of this goes to warm water as well. Um uh, how do we handle that, the stress on the resources, and do the biologists pay attention to that part of it? Yeah, we're always looking at at, at the um, at, at the numbers of of, of, of folks and and uh, the quality of the habitat, the quality of the resources, and and doing these types of surveys can let us uh, keep our, our our finger on the pulse of what anglers are experiencing and, and seeing. And uh, the, the, the good news is um, we're consistently seeing, you know, high, high returns on, you know, folks really liking the program. And in fact, 76% uh, of people in this survey were, were somewhat or extremely satisfied. And that, that happens to be the same number from the one 10 years ago that we, that we did. But, but that doesn't mean that we can Stop right. That that just helps paint a picture of what people are seeing. And mm -hmm. so, in terms of the program, there's there's some things that are going well that that we want to keep doing. But there's always opportunities to tweak and improve. But but what we can all do going forward is is be in this together because it's not just um, you know a, a single program that exists in a vacuum. Uh, we're all part of it as anglers. I'm I'm an angler myself, and so. When I'm going out to the stream to fish, um, I'm making sure that I'm uh, treating that property that I'm on just like I would want my property treated and showing that landowner the, the utmost amount of respect and, and graciousness for them being willing to let their land be part of the program. And, and that, that way we can help, you know, make sure these resources that are out there today are, are there tomorrow so, you know, so that my son can go out there and fish and and those sort of things and and that's that's something we can all do and think about how we can take care of the water and 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 the, the critters that are in it and the people that enjoy it we can we can be good stewards of these resources and and keep keep these these waters and this program going on into the future 
the voice you hear right there, Jake Rash, Coldwater Research Coordinator for the North Carolina Wildlife Resource Commission. And Jake, one of the celebrations, we just went over 30 years with an anniversary of something that's a subset of the Hatchery Supported Program. We talk about it frequently here on the Carolina Outdoors. It was similar to the trout in Mecklenburg that just went in in December, kind of a, an expanse of those resources, and it was the Hatchery Supported uh, pardon me, the delayed harvest program that uh, went into play just about 30 years ago, just over 30 years ago, that kind of opened up trout streams that may not hold trout throughout the year. What's the success of that, and what do you feel, even if it's an anecdotal answer, uh, in regards to its economic impact and its ability for more people to hit more water that maybe that that wouldn't have trout in it otherwise. Yeah, well, you're you're right. And first of all, I feel bad we didn't we didn't get it a birthday card. Now that you're bringing that up, it, it, <laughs> it, you're exactly right. Back in 1992, the first four delayed harvests were were brought on, and and since then it's it's just kind of grown because it's so popular, um, and it really is a way to to do what the name says we're we're delaying the harvest and so we're able to get uh, a period half of the year when it's pretty much catch and release, pretty much half the year where it's catch and release and then those waters start to warm wouldn't necessarily be hospitable for those those trout we're able to open it up to harvest so anglers that are interested in being able to harvest those trout um, have an opportunity as well, so it's kind of the best of both worlds, and and it's 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 something that's that's extremely popular, and uh, is as you noted just just past that past that milestone. Yeah, and if you're in downtown Charlotte, some of the closest streams that otherwise wouldn't maybe have trout like this in them that uh, the North Carolina Wildlife Resources Commission put in there uh, at uh, South Mountain State Park, for instance, which is just between Shelby and Morganton. South Mountain has Jacob Fork, which is a stream that's a part of the delayed harvest program. If you're in the north side of Charlotte, you can uh, easily uh, jump up to Stone Mountain State Park, East Fork of the Roaring River. Uh, as well as the Mitchell River. And, Jake, that brings me back to what you were saying about taking care of your resources because the Mitchell River and others as well, Wilson Creek, there's a partnership between the landowners and the state that uh, they are providing access to the public, but it is the public's responsibility to kind of take care of that resources with that permission. So, um uh, that's a, a good thing and a good reminder for all of us to take care of what we have. There's a responsibility when we're on somebody else's property with permission and enjoy catching and re- releasing at least October through the first Saturday in June. Jake Rash, I'm about to put you on the spot because there, just to see what you say, uh, TJ, get ready to hit any buttons over there. Jake, I had the opportunity to go uh, fishing on the Catawba River in the Glen Alpine, North Carolina region, just outside of Morganton. Mm-hmm. Uh, have you been on that water? I have. Uh, the the tail race. Do you have any secrets? <laughs> we <laughs> I, I, The only way to access it, I would say, is, is via f- floating in a kayak, a canoe, a raft, a drift boat, I guess you could take down there. It is reliant on somewhat of releases, hence the term tail race. Uh, 
the water comes through the the bottom of the dam there uh, in, in Glen Alpine. Uh, but I went through there, and there are fish in there. Um, and I caught some fish, but do you have any words of wisdom or an overall view as a biologist of that particular cold water fishery? And if so, what is it so I can go catch more fish? <laughs> yeah, well, it's a, you know, it's a, it's a unique one. Um, it's, it's one of our, as you noted, one of our tail races. So it's below, this case is below Lake James. It's one that we've put a lot of work into over the years, um, trying to figure out, trying to figure out what's the best management prescription uh, to make the best fishing. And so in, in the last couple years, uh, we've, we've transitioned, um, you know, really it's about the last 10 years or so because the water can get warm in there. Right. Um, and it has to do with uh, Lake James itself and, and how it sets up. Um, there can be big stretches of warm water. So we figured that out. And, and our approach is to stock bigger fish, roughly nine to 10 inches um, in later in the fall. And so kind of on the backside of any warm water event. And then what we see is there's a couple years where the water may remain cool enough through the long summer months where those fish kind of stack up and, and with, and, and carry over as long and short of it is, you know, the fish that, that do persist have really high growth rates. And so you've got a chance to, to get into a really nice brown trout. And I've seen a bunch of big ones in there with our work. We actually have to sample that with a, with an inflatable raft that's um, rigged with our electrofishing equipment that we use to, to, to get our hands on fish. So it's a, it's a fun day uh, at work to get out there, the, the fish, to see the fish like that. But, <laughs> but in short of it, it's, it, it does have nice brown trout, uh, pre- predominantly a float fishery. I think there is some um, public land opportunity coming on board where it may be easier to wade. There are these minimal flows that provides this constant level of, of water um, that is still still weightable, uh, but but by and large, um, it's a it's a it's a different uh, experience. And uh, anybody that's ever you know been on those bigger rivers or tail races, it'll 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 look familiar to you. But but there are big fish out there. Yeah, that means uh, for you fly anglers, you've got to take that uh, your streamer rod. And streamer fish for those big browns, cause uh, uh, I didn't get into those. I got the nine to ten inches. But Jake, I was very envious of your job because that is one of the most beautiful uh, rivers in in the midst of bunches of beautiful water that we have here in uh, North Carolina. That is a pretty stretch of water, and uh, I appreciate the hot tip. So now I know that we're uh, we're in partnership on figuring that thing out together. <laughs> Jake, well, I, I got to get you back on here, too, because we're going to talk about Eastern Brook Trout Joint Venture that you're in charge of, uh, but we got to do it another time here on the Carolina Outdoors. That's Jake Rash, Cold Water Research Coordinator for the North Carolina Wildlife Resource Commission. I'm Bill Barty. He's going to go off, but I'm going to come back on the other side. You're listening to the Carolina Outdoors. <laughs> 